This is week four in the final week of a series we've called Up Close and Personal over the Gospel of John. It's somewhat engaging in John's interactions, but it's also just things that happened in his gospel of Jesus, his account of Jesus. And we're going to look at a final passage today that I've already mentioned because it's, it's a habit of mine because I, I just love this gospel so much that I use this passage a lot, but we're going to actually use it as the message today. It's John chapter 21. It's two verses. It's a lot. It's two verses. It's two. Hey, look at that. How do they do that? Get it on the screen. It's amazing. Technology is amazing. I can't believe Jesus had lower thirds in the, in, the, in the New Testament. I can't believe he had lower thirds. and Amazing. He had pro presenter and he had confidence monitors and he had lights and he had instruments. No, he didn't have any of that. But it still worked. It still worked without all that. I told Michelle when we started the church that if the message isn't there, the rest doesn't mean anything. We can open people's hearts in worship, but if we don't give them the word, what are we doing? You know, I said I, I wouldn't plan a church that was going to run from the word. And some people may not like that because a lot of people, they just want to have parts of the word in their life. They don't really want the, the whole shebang. But God can't shebang your life if you don't take the whole shebang in his word. It's a compromise on both ends. If we only extrapolate parts that we want to keep, we only get parts in our life that we see blessing and we wonder why we still feel broken all the time. So this final week, I know, I know uh, who, who has all the weeks memorized? I know, I know you all have them memorized. You can go to YouTube and cheat. Just make me feel like you remember. But week one, oh, Lord, I put myself on the spot. Lord, I'm not going to go there. Week one was great. That's what I was going to say. Week one was good. Week two was good. Revelation reception. Oh, taken to heart. Taken to heart. Revelation reception. Keep me close. And now, today, well, I'm going to give it to you in a minute. I'm going to give you the title after we read the passage. John chapter 21, the last two verses speak like this. And this is John talking. This is why it's so cool. Because often they, the Gospels are written by somebody, but it's not always them in the first person. And this is just so much more personal, up close and personal, because John is like saying, I was there. This is me talking. This is the disciple who testifies. He's talking of himself here, the disciple whom Jesus loved. This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Let's read it again. It's short, but there's a lot more there. This is the disciple who testifies, me, John, of the things, of these things, and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true, John, that he's giving. And there are also many other things that Jesus did which if they were written one by one, I suppose, I suppose, I love that. I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. He's saying, I was here. I was with Jesus, Starbucks and all. And if we wrote down everything, I suppose the world couldn't contain the books. I just love how he put a little personality in that, I suppose. You know, because he was there. And you can't get that personality thing if you're not there. And John was there. So it gives us this personal, up-close vibe between him and Jesus and the rest of the, the apostles. But what caught me here is he says, 24, that his testimony is true. He's saying, I 
was a witness. Today, the title of week four is God Speaking, My Witness. My Witness. God says, you need my witness. You have to witness in order to explain the experience. And if you don't go through the experience, can I give you the Bible today? If you don't go through the experience, you're not my witness. You can know about me, but to know me, you have to be, have gone through the experience with me. And so the apostles were there. They had gone through the experience We live in culture right now. It's just data loaded. I'm a programmer. I say data a lot. That means information. Data is what programmers say. Data driven. We live in a data driven culture. It has access to everything. If we need to know it, we can Google it. Ask Siri, Alexa, what is complete sentence and so forth. And most of the time, we'll get some kind of data, whether it's true, is questionable. But if you speak it clearly, sometimes Alexa will just throw up the complete wrong thing. It's almost humorous sometimes. And if you speak it clearly on your typing text, your voice text, it can really throw up the wrong thing. Let me tell you, Dad, please proofread your texts, okay, before those go outside to strangers. Your dad sent me this text. Oh, God. Dad, proofread it. Well, it's just such a pain, he says, so he just sends it anyway. I can't even talk about one a few years ago that was so bad. Oh, my gosh. I almost, oh, my goodness. I almost, I almost fainted. It was to church people, and it was very, very bad. It was very bad. It was, arrest me bad. Okay? Anyway, keeping it real, keeping it honest, giving you the gospel. That's what I told you I was going to give you today. That's what it is. But John's, John leaves us with this idea that Christ is enough, and our witness of his account according to his word is enough to reach the world. And by faith, we have enough. By faith, Jesus was and is enough. And it's hard in this culture where everything is so quickly accessed to go, I have enough. I don't want more because I have enough. More of more is not good if I can't utilize it. I'm wasting squandalizing provision. And that's kind of how, I, how we are with God. But, but we have to strip back, you know, thank you, Corona, actually. We have to strip it back and say, I have enough wherever it is. I have my family. I forgot what they looked like until I had to look them in the eye, until I had to homeschool those kids and see how bad they really were. I saw a quote. Who was it? They said, they said you know, I used to yell at the teacher until I really saw they really were that bad. The teacher I thought was crazy until I had a homeschool, and then I saw the teacher wasn't crazy. My kids were really bad. I thought that was funny. In our case, my, our teacher is Michelle, so they are bad to Michelle, and we can do things because with her parents, we're the parents too. We can break the rules a little bit, not get, not get you know, put on the news. But You've been commissioned, though, to the gospel this is the gospel, people. This is not me. So what I'm going to tell you today comes out of the Bible. That's why we have this. You've been commissioned, according to the gospel, to testify as a witness on behalf of the defendant that what you saw and heard is truth. Now go, not yet, and share Jesus based on your account. Don't really go yet after church. Go and share Jesus, Don, after church based on your account. So now we're getting back to week one. The problem is we don't have a firsthand account. We weren't there. 
It was 2020 years ago. If 2020 counts, it was 2019 years ago. Sorry, theologians, I know it's an approximate. Don't at me or email me. It's a figure of speech. It's just to convey the message, people online. Okay, anyway, so, so we weren't there however many years ago it actually was. And in order to be a witness to something, how can we be a witness to something that we can never be close to? That's the problem. We need a firsthand account. And so all four weeks, we've been talking about the problem, but we haven't talked about how we really get there. Well, we need Jesus in our heart, and, la, 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 and everything's good, great. But what does that really mean? To be able to give an account and testify on behalf of the defendant because I was there. I saw it. I was there. Oh, you're crazy. No, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. In late 2018, we were getting ready for church one morning, we got this really cool new trailer, and most of you have heard this story, but if you haven't, I'm going to tell it. If you have, I'm going to tell it again, and if you haven't, great. It's the first time. Nicole, it might be the first time for this. I don't know. And um, so we get this awesome car hauler, 24 foot, eight, eight and a half feet wide. You could pull a sports car in there, Rusty. It's fully enclosed. It's the trailer. I go, man, someday our church will get that, and then we got it like six months in, and then we didn't drive it for a while, and so finally on day one in August, which is month eight, we parked it over at Highway Z and Keevan Brothers and I don't know. And I'm, I'm the pastor driving. The, I was going to get the trailer, and it was cool back then before Nate kicked me out of the process. And uh, so I was getting the trailer, and I stopped by the gas station. I've never driven a trailer like this. It's big. It's okay. I've had a lot of sports cars. So it's the same, right? No, it's not. So, so I'm driving the trailer, and, and I'm coming up on Orf Road on Lake, no, no, I'm coming up on Lake St. Louis, Boule- see, it already jogged my memory. I'm coming up on Lake St. Louis Boulevard in Highway N at like 8.03 in the morning, and there's not a car in sight. I'm actually doing the speed limit because I'm not in a stressed mood. I'm relaxed because it's day one, Nate, of the new trailer. And out of nowhere comes a guy who'd just been buying some donuts or something straight through the intersection, Oh, he's going to see me. He's going to see me. He's going to see me. I'm, I'm really not this happy in the moment. He's going to see me. He's going to see me. I can't stop this trailer because it's, you know, it's a lot of weight behind the thing. And, and if I stop it, I could compromise our gear. But Debbie, you, you remember, see, I thought, I thought the gentleman would go, oh, there's a trailer coming at me. He's going to end my life. No, he didn't. He just kept looking down. Okay, so another, another three minutes of intersection. No, it was like three seconds go by and it's like slow-mo. And all of a sudden I'm like, he's not going to move. We're going to hit. So what I do? I swerved to avoid crushing this man's car. I mean, it would have destroyed him. And I didn't see in the moment that there was a, <laughs> what was it? It was a traffic light. It's a traffic light pole. I didn't see that part. So what I did is I almost killed myself to spare the front of this guy's little Honda. So I swerved it and boom. I'll never forget that. Boom. Impact. You don't forget that because the experience is greater than the story I'm telling. What I don't, don't forget and I can't convey to you is the boom of hitting that solid pole. Boom. I don't know what happened. Airbags went off. The truck flipped on its side. And I go, dang it, they wrecked my church stuff. I'm not kidding. I was losing it. I crawled out the top. I crawled out the top. How weird is this? Pastor of a small church plant crawls out top of thing, all the gear, and he's mad about the guy who hit him because of the the church stuff getting broke and people's kingdom dollars buying this stuff and they just wrecked all the things we had in our bags, Nate, because everything was in bags and had to be toted perfectly in order to get it from point A to B. We had to drive it every weekend. It was a big deal. 
So I crawled out the top of the window. And the first thing I see is, whoa, man, are you okay? Like, whoa. I was like, yeah, why are you, why are you looking at me like that? You act like I just crashed and just destroyed everything. Like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm good. Did you see that guy? He, 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 wrecked, he wrecked our church stuff. Like, I was, like, losing it. I don't think I was screaming it, but I was saying it. I was, like, losing it. And so, so I'm getting out of the thing, and I'm just, I'm like, do I get my cell phone? Well, the car is on fire. The hood was smoking and doing this. I'm like, you know, could it blow up? Could I, I'm going to get my smartphone. I can't leave my phone. No, I better leave my phone. I could die. So I get out. I get out. I shimmy away from the thing, and all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, there's like 18 ambulances and 27 fire trucks and 47 police cars, and it's just me and this little Honda and my church stuff on its side. It's funnier in hindsight, really. Really, it's funny in hindsight. It's supposed to, you can laugh at this. I won't be offended if you laugh because that's how you deal. You gotta laugh it off sometimes. So all of a sudden there was another person. Are you okay? I saw everything and that guy just completely drove through the light. I'm like, yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. Oh yeah, I gotta be nice. I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor and I got one, I got one seat stuff everywhere. There was one seat stuff in the intersection. There was, because I had stuff, it was a pickup, and the stuff in the pickup flew out. And so there was just like one seat. Remember, Cameron, you guys went and picked it all up out of the intersection, and they witnessed it too because they were there, and they saw it. And then I remember people came to church, Debbie and Jeff, and I don't remember, Jen, and, and they're like, there's no signage up. Is church happening today? And they got a little spooked. And then, and then we're like, well, we crashed, and we're not going to have church today, but everything's okay. And then my brother came, and we just picked everything up and just threw it in the, the trailer, and he brought it back. And, and I'm in the... Then they make you get in the thing, and I'm really digressing here, but maybe it'll, I don't know. They put you in the thing, and they, they put the strangler on you, because just in case, I'm like, I feel fine, but just in case, you could be high on adrenaline. You might be actually broken. So they, they put you in the thing, and, and, and then they, they take you, and my brother comes like, Jeff, you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. I turn to see you, but I can't turn my head, because they've got my, st- can, you, can you loosen this so I can breathe? Thank you. And so they, I can breathe, you know, and they take me to the ambulance. They take me to the hospital. I'm sitting in the hospital, and I'm still telling the nurse Go to 1cchurch.org. I'm not joking. I'm like, God, you're using me to witness. Go to 1cchurch.org. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're a new church, and the guy just, just the devil just tried to take us out, and, and we're a new church, and um, right in Lake St. Louis High School. Yeah, you're going to hear about us someday. And then they dismissed me, and we moved on. But the point of telling you that extreme story is that there was witnesses actually all over. And so when the gentleman proceeded to tell the police that I hit him and didn't stop for the light, everybody said, uh, no, you had a red light and you drove through it. The gentleman proceeded to tell him that I hit him blindly and he was going through a green light. I just flipped it. After the gentleman at the, at the scene of the crime said, I'm so sorry, I wasn't paying attention, I was buying donuts or something, literally. Then it was, hey, Hey, anyway, I don't want to like, you know, I love you, man. Jesus loves you. But, but yeah, he flipped the story on me. And so we had all these witnesses, thank God. Because guess what? Guess what comes next? 15 different insurance claims. Well, we got insurance for the trailer, and we got insurance for the stuff in the church, and then we got insurance for your body and your pain, and your, my neck was a little weird, but I didn't want to go to the doctor, but Michelle made me because it was a smart thing to do, and I think I did something to my hand, and my hand was hurting for like a year, and I don't know if that's normal, but, but I say maybe because of the crash, I don't know, and then I end up having this pain in my rib like 14 months later, and someone prayed over me and says, because you crashed and, and did something there, and I think it was really just indigestion. But the point is, had I not had witnesses... 
I had no way to testify. The witnesses saved me in that situation because I had no way to testify of what had happened. And you got to have witnesses to testify of an experience. And so John had this. John could speak of the account of Christ because he was there. We can't speak to something if we're not there. So we need to get there. As a church, we have to get there. This is confusing. I know. Hang in there with me. So how could we ever relate to John when we didn't get to live at the time of Christ? You can't validate your testimony if you haven't been through the experience. Touch your neighbor, tell them it's in the experience. You can have the best resume, but what makes someone valuable is experience. You can study all day, but until you're in the heat of the moment, you don't know what you do, because guess what? It won't be what you study that you would do. It's not real. It's just, a, it's just a disciplinary action to condition you to be able to not crack when the real situation hits. That's what the study does, because real life takes experience. You got to be there. You got to go through it. I love people... Um, I love working with people sometimes, and, and when, when, when the people have experience, and then they're like, they want to learn, oh, it's just the best. It's like fresh clay, because you can, you can take them somewhere, and their experience will help elevate where they're trying to go and vice versa, and even someone who doesn't have experience yet, if they're willing, they can go places. I mean, God used tax collectors, fishermen, you name it. The world called them reprobates, and God used them to take his gospel to the uttermost ends of the earth, is what the Bible says. So don't feel like you have to come in qualified. That's not the case, because God will qualify you through the process. In fact, if you realize that none of us are qualified, we can be used. But when you come in saying, I'm qualified, I know how church goes, I know, I know, I know, Pharisee, 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 you can't be used. You've disqualified yourself from the process from God's process, from God's promotion ladder. You can disqualify yourself. But you can't validate a testimony that has not been through the experience. And God wants you to experience his love and mercy firsthandedly, not hear about it. Jesus loves you. You know, I grew up in church hearing that, and it still annoyed me. When strangers would say it to me, because, you know, I was like in the world for a while. Not, not, I, was, I was supposed to be not of the world, but I was in the world, and I was actually of the world. I was, I was living according to the world, and I was doing all the things the world would do, and I wasn't in church. They called it backsliding back then. And um, I remember this guy came into a restaurant, and he, he's, he was homeless, but he was dressed really nice, Don. He was homeless, but he was really nice and had, had a big fat wallet in his pocket. And he was homeless. And he brings me this, this uh, tract. And remember the old days? They call them, they got, they got your church tract, you know, handed out. And you get to the church. You, you, anyway, that's great. That's great. I, I, we don't have tracts here. We're digital. I'm a geek. I'm a computer. We do it digital. And, and um, he says, Jesus loves you. Thanks, man. I was a waiter waiting tables. Jesus loves you. And he gives me the tract. Now, what's funny, Nicole, is I've been hearing about Jesus loving me since before I came out of the womb. Because my dad is always like, hey, Jesus, 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 Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. Thank you, mom and dad. But, but see, it never really meant anything until I was older. Because it's, it's just a thing. Because I didn't have an experience to go with the thing. It was just a figure of speech. 
until I have the experience to go with the thing, I can't recognize what I really had in front of me. Oh, I'm so, I'm so behind, Noelani. You're going to have to be playing a lot longer. I'm sorry about that. God doesn't want you to let them tell the story. You are the story. You are the New Testament story continuing on, okay? God wants you to experience his love and mercy because you are part of his story. So you need to be a witness. And my witness is not of myself. I need a Holy Ghost witness. I need a Holy Ghost in me to be a witness because I can't be somewhere I physically wasn't until something comes in and unions me with the experience. It sounds good, but there's a lot of conjecture and uh, negativity around using the HG word in church. I'm not talking about HGTV. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit of God. When Jesus said two weeks ago, I will not leave you parentless. I will come to you. The Holy Spirit will come to you. And the child was born of of the manger of the Mary, and he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. You can't separate the spirit from the flesh. It is who Christ was. And so he says, I'm gonna make a way I'm going to make a way to be in you because until I am in you, you can't witness to my experience because you weren't there. It's 2020. This was like three and a half AD. No, it's, oh my goodness, I'm bad. This was, it was zero when he died, right? No, zero when he was born. My my math's so bad. Send me back to college. Anyway, let's just edit that part out. That was really a fail on my part. But we have this mentality in church specifically is, well, where is that written? Let me see if I can just extrapolate one little one-liner that I can live my life by, which is dangerous because the Bible says line upon line, precept upon precept, you know, every word shall be established. And, 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 and collectively is how God speaks. That's why we have a Bible to live by and not a verse. So if we just take a verse and we run with it and we tell the world, we could be deceived. Because God says, there's a bunch of verses. There's a bunch of things. There's a context. There's timing. There's all these elements that I want you to know so you can collectively get what I want you to have. So so we have this, where is that written mentality? If it challenges us, God forbid, if it challenges us or makes us better, we say, well, where, where is that written? I don't know. I don't think I found that on YouTube. You don't need YouTube. You've got a word of God that has it in there all over the place. I told you I was going to be real today. I told, I, I told Michelle, I can't, I can't start a church and, and hide from God's word, Debbie. I can't do that because I, I don't need attention. This is a calling to be transparent with God's word in a, in a culture that is losing God's word, in a culture that's extrapolating only parts it wants to have and making God's word become their idol in a way. It's fitting their lifestyle instead of their lifestyle, committing to it fully. That's what gets me up. That's what gets me up when there's no one here, when there is, when there's 50, when there's 80, when there's 10. That's what gets me up. That's what got me preaching in my office for a year, every weekend to no one. Because there's a reason. There's a a mission for us to accomplish. Where is that written? We like to avoid change that contradicts our challenges or lifestyles. We call it a defense of the gospel. And people, people don't understand that. When you go all in for God, 
you quit wanting the things you thought you had to give up. Things change. Things change. And if you only give in to God 50%, God can only give in to you, pour into you, well, 50% of the side you're letting. It's hard to really serve. But Jesus told the apostles, it is unto you to know the mysteries of God because I've been with you. And now that you have my experience, apostles, you can understand things that the rest of the world can't yet because they're not there. The Bible talks about going from nursing to eating meat and so on. We grow in our walk with God. We are not meant to stay the same. We weren't supposed to stay the same today, yesterday, and forever. We're supposed to grow. And church is not to be your weekly to-do that makes you feel good. Church is to grow you and, and change you and show you that you are a part of this story. You're meant to be a witness of the story. John said, enough is written that you may believe. So my question to all of you this morning and to myself is, do you really want to know the mysteries of God's kingdom? Do you want to know? Well, it's not PC, and people don't like it. I didn't write it. It's the Bible. I didn't write it. Man, it'd be so much easier if I could, Vincent, if I could write it. Oh, God. I'd have people hollering because they'd be like, I didn't know I could do that too. Yeah. It's not my word. We're called to be a vessel to let God's word flow. So we got to get rid of that where is it written mentality and see it's actually written all over. John said there's enough. In holding out, holding out on God's word, a preacher said this the other day, I heard this. He said it's a dull culture. The Bible says in certain translations our ears are dull. They're dull. The sensitivity to hearing God in the spirit is dulled. You know, and there's nothing worse than... Um, a dull box cutter. Anybody ever used a box cutter, you know, to cut boxes? And you get those little replaceable blades, you know, Allison, the little pack of the blades, and then when the blade gets dull, you flip it around, and then you got like a brand new blade again. And, and um, man, I'm just full of good stories that, that completely don't connect, but they keep you awake. That's the, pro that's the point here. Is So when we were going to move seven years ago, I had this really dull box cutter, and I'm, I'm just going to town on these boxes back before Amazon was a thing, and we had to like... I don't know, throw the boxes out. I was saving them for moving. And uh, because it was dull, it wouldn't cut or penetrate. I got a little crazy with thing, and that actually cut through half my finger. And I had an emergency room, and my finger was Pac-Man. Underneath the shell, yeah, it's gross. There was the bone. It was, it was halfway through my finger. So a dull, a dull object can penetrate or cut, but it takes a lot more force. It takes a lot more to get through. So God doesn't want us to have dull ears. He wants us to be quick to listen in the spirit, sharp ears that we can hear specifically because it's unto us, he said to the apostles, to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And we are disciples to follow in the original 12's footsteps. That's what, that is what the Great Commission is, that the 12 would come and they would replace the 12 tribes and now they become the new 12 tribes and they replace the kingdom of Israel and they, they start taking the mission into the world and now here we are, 2,000 leaders. We're still years we're still part of the two, the 12 now we're millions that's why I hope one seed gets to millions wouldn't that be cool see one seed then like millions one seed planted the harvest could bring millions that seeds that are recultivated now you have millions like Israel Jacob was one became 12 became millions Jesus was one passed it along to the 12 apostles became millions you see how God does it 
He multiplies and increases off just a fraction of your giving, of your tithing, of your time, everything. That's a whole other sermon coming because he'll multiply whatever it is you invest. So whether it's your heart, whether it's your finances, whether it's your, your time in his word, whether it's all these things, as you give more percentage of your life to God, he will replica, duplicate and multiply in a greater ratio the blessing. The blessing. But you can't talk about that no more. We can't talk about the Holy Ghost in here, Vincent, because it's not cool. It scares people. It scares people. I mean, you can't say there's sin anymore. Is there even a hell? Come on. He said, hey, he said the H word. Can we say, we got the H word. We got the HD word we can't talk about in church. Is there really a hell? Like, is there really a consequence? Because now, like, like you're wrong if you say anything is actually truth or right. And you're right if you say there's this, no wrongs. Everything's good. I can't disagree with you. That means I hate you. No, maybe it means I love you because I'm challenging you to think and not just listen to somebody else, but maybe because I love you to your face, I'm willing to invest in you and actually stretch you. Millennials, just kidding. Are you millennials? Some of them in here. You know, you know, like there's people that were, pro- I always point to Nolani like she's some kid, but she's a grown adult. I'm so sorry. And she's like my little sister. It's awesome. I never had a sister, uh, little sister. I have a sister. And, um, but you know, like there was a point where people were protesting like grades. I'm gonna sit on the sidewalk because I didn't like the grade I got. I didn't like the grade I got, you know, like after a while, it's like man up and do the work, you know? And so, so my point to say all that is not to bash, you know, millennials or whatever, whoever did that, these college kids or whatever. But the thing is, we have to hold accountability truth that's in the Bible that the world is washing to nothing. I told you I was going to be a little louder, a little more, a little more preacher-like today. I'm not even there yet. Oh, but maybe you can feel where I'm going because my witness is not of myself. I need a Holy Ghost witness to take me back, like Michael J. Fox, to take me back. I need a witness, a Holy Ghost witness. God's witness protection program is what we need to be in. We need to be in God's witness protection program. How many knows what a witness protection program is? Nate, I'm sure you do. No, I don't mean because you've been in it. I don't know. You can take that a lot of ways. Whatever works for you, I'm good with. But, but the witness protection program 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 protects the witness. It protects the witness because they saw something. Maybe they 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 shouldn't have the sum, or maybe they should have, and others don't don't know that they saw it. And so, in order to keep it safe, they have to preserve the witness. Oh, God's speaking something new right now on this. God is preserving the witness by giving us a protection program. You take away this, you take away your protection, and now you are fresh meat to the world. Well, that's not what Google says, and that. That could get you fired, and that might get you censored, and this and this and this. I'm not saying be ruthless. We always want to act in love, but if someone puts me in the corner and says, what do you think? I say, well, it's my duty as a pastor and as a human being to tell you what the Bible says, and I'd be cheating y'all if I wouldn't give you that, and I'd be losing sleep at night because I can't do that. I can't do that. So my, my, my message to you today is you take from this what you would and ask God to reveal the rest because one waters, one plants, and God gives the increase. 
No one can give you what you are not interested in taking. And, and some, some of you are seeking right now in a way that you, you're not used to because of corona. Your eyes are on God deeper than ever, and that's a great thing. So you keep seeking because one is watering, one is planting, and God is increasing in you as we speak. But we got to get into the protection program. Oh, some of y'all don't want to hear this. Okay, I'm going to tell it anyway. So, so um, I was raised in the Pentecostal church. Pentecostal speaking in tongues, hollering, people running down the aisles, cartwheels. This is a non-denominational church, but I still believe the book of Acts, and I still believe the Bible. And um, <laughs> this is funny, Don. This is funny. This is how the devil works, okay? Okay, so like, um, we started in Liberty High School. We started the summer of 20, the fall of 2017 doing some Bible studies right next to Nate's house. Thank you, Nate. You never came once, you mean friend of ours. You never came once, Nate. The Bible study was next to your house. He came to church, though. Look at him now. So, so God took repetition. That's it. I'm just joking. So, so we're having these Bible studies in the high school. And like, I, Mom, you were there. Do you remember the lady? Was it week one? Oh, God. It's week one. Lady comes in, super full of knowledge, super astute. And she actually, I got to watch it because she came to church for a while early, early on. But she probably doesn't watch online, you know. And she, I don't know. And so, so uh, she She's really, really engaging, right? And this is just practical Bible studies, you know, and I don't, I don't like get all crazy and be speaking in tongues and hollering or nothing, doing none of that. I'm just teaching some Bible study. And, and at the end, she says, um, this is great. This is great. You know, this is what I've been looking for, Jen, because as soon as they start talking about speaking in tongues, I'm adios. Me and my mom just <laughs> kind of laughed. I'm, I'm a modern dude. I'm, I'm weird to begin with, but that's the Bible, folks. The day of Pentecost was a real thing. I didn't make it up. Man, I wish I could. We'd grow faster because some people don't want to hear the Bible. And so, so she said that, and I thought, isn't that just the way the devil works? My biggest fear is that someone would judge me before they got to know me, and then that gets thrown out. Because when you grow up in that, it's a little extreme sometimes. You get, like, hypersensitive to it. So then you're always like scared to talk about God's word. And that's not right, but that's what happens. It's like, it's like, it's like church baggage. We got a sermon coming called church hurt. A lot of people say, well, I quit going to church because I got hurt. So, so we all got church hurt. It's, it's in different ways, but the truth of the gospel, I'll preach, I'll preach forever because I can't, I can't run from God's word. And if you ever want to talk about it, I'd love to give you more because it takes more than 30 minutes to give you God's word. Okay. Well, all that to tell you, um, we not only had that lady, but as a new pastor, I was also very intimidated, like to address issues so quickly because I like to be slow and not be like data dump it all in your head. And the next lady that came in had, had throat cancer. We had nobody come in except this lady and a, a lady that was in like stage four of throat cancer or uh, something. And um, I'm like, wow. Like, I remember calling my brother saying, wow, look what God is doing. He's going right to work pruning me up. I never dealt with either of these situations. It's easy to witness to people who believe like you and already know what you know. It's hard to explain it to somebody who doesn't know a thing, but as long as they're hungry, God will do the rest. And it's even harder to to talk to somebody who doesn't want to hear anything different. They shut the door before you even start. That's why I think respect matters. Getting to know the individual matters because, because you'll listen better when you trust who you're listening to. 
what's weird to the world, oh, this is good, is often a revelation from God. If it's weird to the world, I mean, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He stunk. You believe a man can be lifted in Africa and America at the same time because God touched him with his miracle healing power and then something that happened in the book of Acts scares you and that's weird? I didn't write it. That's how, you know God's got to do something spiritual that you can't discern with your senses because if you could, you wouldn't need any faith. God has to shock your senses by elevating you to a, pay, a place that your senses can't discern. That's why he said your spiritual eyes and ears are dull is what Jesus said. You have to be able to hear with the Spirit, and we need the Spirit. Can I talk about it just a little more? Just a little, little more. I don't ever talk about it. And so if I talk about it just a little more, then my dad won't say, you scared to talk about the Bible? I said, no, dad, I'm not. I'm not, but this is 2020, okay, not 1982. So me and him, I have a lot of fights about this, Don. You know what I'm saying. I've been hearing Jesus loves you my whole life. My whole life, Jesus loves you. Oh, just thank God for the Holy Spirit of the Lord and God will save you. I'm like, what am I thanking God for? Thank you, Jesus. I was five, eight, ten. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, I'm thanking God. See, I get, I get strangers because I felt that way and I was raised in the church and I still didn't understand. And so, so, so what the confusion here is, when you get to a place that you quit thinking about all that, oh, when you get to a place that you're so at rock bottom and the hugs don't even help because it hurts so bad, whether it be you or someone else you know, and you fall to your knees in anguish, and in, in, yeah, maybe you're in the fetal position in pain, and you have nothing to give except God help me. That's when God does something. God starts to intervene. And I was 25 years old, I was 25 years old, and I had made some really bad decisions, and all my life I've been hearing about this, this baptism of the Holy Spirit thing, and it's weird, and I can't talk about it because it's weird, even though it's right there in the Bible, and I can, I can point it out like 30 different places and all these things, but I can't talk about it because nobody wants to hear about it, but God says, you got to hear about this to witness, be a witness firsthand. And so I remember I was 25, and I was singing some praises, and just the weight of the Holy Spirit fell onto my life, and I started, I started trembling. I Isaiah said something. What is he crazy? Oh no, he was a prophet. And he said, you have a a stammering lips and you will speak with an unknown tongue because when the spirit welleth up inside of you, something is going to pour out. And I'm not making this up. I wish I could, but I can't. And this is God's word. And he was preaching to Acts 2. And Jesus says, I will come to you. Go and wait. And if I know anything without a script, it's this. It's that God said, I will come to you and you will take my place. And he blew on them. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. He blew on them. And Nicodemus said, how do I be born again? He says, such as the wind blows, you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. But so is they who receive my spirit. You'll hear it like the wind. And on Acts 2, they said they were sitting in the upper room and 120 of them. And they heard a mighty rushing wind come. And the Holy Ghost fell onto them. And they received the baptism. And how did they know? Because they started to speak in an unknown tongue. And people thought they were drinking. Come on, somebody. They thought they were crazy and drunk then. Well, it's just nine in the morning. They've been just, you know, 
hitting the bottle. I don't know about y'all, but I don't get I don't become a drunk until two. No, I'm just kidding. You know, like they thought they were drunk back then. And then, then they, they said that all the all the different nations were there and they said they could understand them in their native tongue. But he's he's from Galilee and he's understanding the Egyptian and all these things and vice versa. So 25 years old, it happened to me. Well, I thought that was just during the first century church and that's just like expired. Where's the scripture for that? I don't, I've never seen that one. And, and well, that was just so the other countries could understand. You're telling me God couldn't make them understand by the spirit without them understanding in a native tongue? No. God says, go. Jesus said, in order to enter the kingdom, you must be born of water and the spirit. Jesus said it himself. In order to enter the kingdom, you must be born of water and spirit. And I don't like that because that, that sounds like work, but it's not work. It's a gift. It's a gift. Don't be scared of speaking in tongues and all that. It's not what you're seeking. You're seeking the mercy and grace of God. And tongues is just the offspring of something that's happening in here. It doesn't mean you're not good enough. It doesn't mean you're flawed or you're not as holy as them. That's, that's a cultural bologna sandwich. As I tell my kids, it's bologna. It's God's word. It's sacred. It matters. And that's why this church started. It matters. We guys haven't left yet, so that's good. When you enter the witness protection program in, in God's house, you're covered by his face. So when the devil sees you, he sees Jesus and he trembles because you've been protected by the spirit of God. They no longer see individuals. They see the body of Christ. How can you become the body if you don't share the DNA? You know? How can we, don't, don't, don't worry about a manuscript. You go and wait for a sign because then you will know what to preach. That's why you don't always have to have the notes because God will put something in you that is meant to come out. I just thought, you know, in 2020, it could be the end of the world. Maybe I should just tell you the truth of the gospel a little more. And this is not to judge you or say you are not, you are not where you should be and you, you're a fail and all this. No, it's not. Because God's love and mercy is what did it for me and he'll do it for you. It's that recognizing Jesus on the cross hanging there, that first person account. I'll never forget it. And this is different for everybody. You know, what's funny is my wife, my wife got the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the same room I did a year later at home. We were talking about that. So she had a rough upbringing and she moved in with us and we were getting engaged and we had separate rooms. Don't worry, it wasn't like that. And, um, and, then, and she slept in the room I grew up in. I moved into my brother's old room and I just, I just remember like a couple months ago, I go, Michelle, you know, you received the baptism in the same room I did about a year later, only like a year apart. So she thought she was some rookie and I said, I've only, I've only been experiencing this for a year. I've been hearing about it but hearing about it and experiencing it are two different things. And so, so that was really cool. And then, and then, oh my Lord. And then my son, Caleb, he just, he starts, we're at the lake. We're at the lake a few months ago. And um, let me just tell you, this has happened to my entire family, except my, my children. But um, we're at the lake and I hear Caleb ah! scream, scream from the bedroom, like 10 at night. And he comes out bawling his eyes. I said, dad, I got the Holy Ghost. He's nine. It's for anybody. 
You know why you see so many people filled with the Spirit in other countries? Because they're starving for God. You know why you see three and four-year-olds like surrounded in miracles in other countries? Because a child's faith is the purest. God can fill a nine-year-old a lot easier than a 25-year-old who thinks he knows everything, who questions everything. Well, it doesn't. See, I doubted for the longest time. I believe God's word, but I doubted my ability to engage with God on such a level. And that is the devil's lie. This is not a shortcoming you have. This is not a gift for certain people. This is not the. This is not what Paul was talking about to the to the church about gifts that some have and some don't. This is a new birth experience. This is different. This is for someone coming to Christ. This is different. This is not the same as that. And that's what people will tell you. Well, that's just a gift that you have. No, this is the, the, Jesus said if an earthly father will give you bread, will he give you, if he tells you he'll give you bread, will he give you a stone? How much greater will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who call upon his name? That's not to some people. That's everybody. Everybody. Everybody in the club getting the Holy Spirit. Every, what, what was, what was it? What's his name? Oh, man, one hit wonder. St. Louis. St. Louis. Anyway, I'm rambling, but... I love you guys. That's why I got to share this. When you, when God fills you with his spirit, you become like John at the cross. You now are standing at the cross like he was with Mary. You become a firsthand witness. You can say, I was there. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I was there because the spirit that dwelleth in him is now in me. If y'all could stand with me. This Bible is doing something to me, Vincent. I should have brought this along a long time ago. Um, someone said to me a long time ago, I really like your style, your preaching style. I'm like, what? there's no style, man. I'm just telling you God's word. You know, there's no style. I'm just telling you, I'm telling you like it was meant to be told. And that's so, that's so unusual in today's, in today's world to be transparent and mean it and love people and not beat them up, not, not, not want to thump in you. Bible thumpers, anybody remember that? Little Bible, holy rollers, Bible thump. Like it's not like that. We love people. We got to give them God's word. And if you ever want to talk about it one-on-one, I'd love to because it's all over the word. And I'd love to. And it's, it's an enjoyable conversation, and it's a gift. He said, I like your style. And I said, I don't have a style. I'm just preaching God's word wholeheartedly. So some of you today may be in a situation that you've been hurting, and you're feeling the pain of this pandemic in your job, in your finances, in your relationships. I feel it. And sometimes a hug will not do it. A hug's not enough. A hug helps in the moment, and then you go right back to it. You go right back to it when Monday comes. God desires to be one with you because God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So even when the world feels distant and dull to my situation, or maybe it's something I've done that I can't forgive myself for, God says, I am there. Maybe they left me. Maybe they divorced me. Maybe, maybe I wrecked the marriage. And maybe, maybe they deserve to leave me. And so now I don't, know how to, I don't know how to handle myself. And God says, I will never leave you. 
will never leave you. I desire to be in you so you can testify of who I am to the world. If y'all could just close your eyes, we're going to pray and get out of here. No one's looking, but we just, we're praying favor over all of you right now. I know we're really small right now and it's awkward and people are, you know, it's really sparse. So it's, it's not fluid sometimes to be expressive with God. I get it. You can be expressive at home, in your car, in your closet. You can be expressive anywhere. It doesn't have to just be here. So if you're not comfortable here, I totally get it. I will never was either. But God, what we're asking is that this word could root past the reaction and go further and penetrate a soil that people didn't know they had, that they didn't know they had this, and that the reaction can be lessened by the truth that weighs in your word that is meant to build the deepest roots that cannot be run dry, that cannot be be returned void, that cannot dry up and wither away, God. We just pray that we, we remember how close you are, that through these four weeks, we remember that all along you may be standing in front of me, that maybe this Bible has been on my coffee, my coffee table for so many years, and that my Bible has been right there, and I was always afraid to open it up because I was afraid of what I might find, or I was afraid of my own convictions that I would not be worthy. But God, we are all fallen short, and we are all not worthy, God. So remind us that I can come to you just like anybody else because you came to mediate between heaven and earth so that I could have direct access to my God. And I'm so thankful for that, Lord. Remind us so that we don't slip back into that depression this week. Remind us that we don't slip back into that hate talk this week and that defense mechanism and that I just want to defend, God. I want to be offensive with my love for you. God, help us keep us straight and help us say it in love and help us be transparent with the people we love because we want to invest in your kingdom and witness to the world the truth of the gospel that never withers away and it doesn't matter how many things come out to say the truth has changed. The truth cannot change and the truth will set you free. And if everybody can say it together in Jesus' name, amen.